0: Welcome to Purpose Without Limits, the show which strives weekly to empower you to reach your true potential, to help you understand how a simple shift in thinking can make success a reality, both professionally and personally. You'll learn about business etiquette intelligence and why a first impression is so crucial, and the real rules of the game to help you outclass your competition. Your host, Dallas Teague Snyder, is founder of Make Your Best Impression, author of the book, Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, and co-author of Executive Etiquette Power. For more, visit MakeYourBestImpression.com. The time to become your best self is today. Here's Dallas Teague Snyder.
1: Welcome to Purpose Without Limits. I'm your host, Dallas, America's impression engineer and the author of the book, Professionally Polished Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, as well as co-author of the book, Executive Etiquette Power. If you've joined us for the first time, you're in for a treat. And guess what? You can hear the shows that have happened before uh, on our website at PurposeWithoutLimits.com. This is the show where we help you reach your true potential, both personally and professionally. And we always give away free stuff. In fact, I'm working right now on a vacation getaway with Fairmont Hotel. So you want to be sure to register on our website. You may just win a trip. So here's the question for you this week if you were a product, how would you brand yourself? In today's market, you have to brand yourself as if you were a product. It's really not an option. So how do we do that? How do we stay competitive? Well, our guest today is Miss Marva Goldsmith, and she'll share with us some practical tips today that we can apply immediately to begin the branding process. Marva is an accomplished woman, to say the least, and she is the author of Branding Yourself After Age 50 and Creating Brand Strategy for Your Life. Now, I've asked Marva, and she says you don't have to be 50, but yet she was turning 50. So this book is related to transforming yourself at any age. She's experienced in many areas, including engineering, corporate and public affairs, strategic planning, and image and brand management. Today, our talk is going to focus on personal transformation. Welcome, Marva, to the show. Thank you, Dallas. Well, I'm just, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on the show. You're such an accomplished lady, and I'm really, really interested on what led you to attend the Harvard Kennedy School at age 42.
2: Well, I had an awesome experience uh, in the early 90s lobbying for my former employer, and I knew that I wanted to, at some point, run our Washington office, but I did not have an advanced degree. And so I thought that the best um, degree to attain in uh, the government field, in this, this case uh, public administration, was from the Kennedy School of Government. And I enrolled in the mid-career program, which had, uh, 200, I had 200 classmates from 45 different countries. And we were ages 29 to 59 from Zimbabwe, from Korea, from South Africa, and little old me from Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We had deposed dictators and freedom fighters and and just an amazing opportunity to interact with people. Um, And so it was a great experience.
1: It's interesting that you say that. When I was 13, I got moved to Hawaii. And... You know, Hawaii to most people sounds very luxurious, but to a 13-year-old, it sounds tragic. You know, you're supposed to be a cheerleader, you're leaving your friends, and, you know, my big concern was, do they have phones? <laughs> But what I say, I say that to basically kind of um, support your point, is that when you go somewhere, like Hawaii being the melting pot of our country, and you meet so many people from different nations and different religious backgrounds, it's amazing how small our world really is, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. It's totally amazing.
1: And it actually,
2: you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but that experience really led to me... Um, beginning to think about the branding process, the personal branding process. How do you separate yourself from everyone else in your field? And so it becomes really important to start thinking about credentials, to start thinking about experiences, and to um, identify those uh, experiences, skill sets, um, and other opportunities that are going to make you stand out from the crowd.
1: You know, that kind of brings to mind, again, I mentioned earlier when I started my own business and branding myself as the impression engineer. It was something that I had done for companies for years. You know, it's easy to think about a product or a service. and But I think the biggest thing is we have to step outside of ourselves and see what our attributes are to be able to pull those pieces together. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, that's absolutely correct.
2: Yeah, there's um, a lot of times what I have um, my clients to provide for me is an assessment from other people mm-hmm. you know because sometimes it's it's difficult for us to think about what our strengths are, what our what our weaknesses are, you know what are the attributes that would sell if I were a product on the shelf. However, the other people who experience you on a daily basis, especially at work or in the dom- domain that you want to brand yourself, they can tell you three or four things right off the bat. You know where your strengths are, your weaknesses, what makes you stand out from everyone else in your field. And so I often suggest to them that they they should just interview someone fairly quickly or use a couple of worksheets that will allow that person to then just kind of circle a few attributes that identify uh, that person.
1: Do you find that when people are doing that and they're asking people for that feedback that they're honest, do you feel like maybe there's a part of them that holds back not to hurt feelings or how do you help people get through that process and, and to prepare for honesty? You know, Sometimes there are weaknesses we have that we don't see.
2: Yeah, well, it, when I'm actually working with a brand client
1: now, um,
2: I have a process that I use and in which I ask about eight questions by email. Okay. And the client responds to the questions in three words or less. And then they provide me with a um, list of twelve to fifteen names, email addresses. Oh, okay. And they notify them that I'm going to contact them. I send them the uh, the survey, and then they fill out that survey for
1: me. Oh, so what you're really doing is you're basically, as a third party, you're take you're kind of giving them. Um and you're giving them kind of a safe place to respond, and they know it's to help this person.
2: That's correct. And then the, uh, the, the email that I sent that, that I send them in advance basically says that, you know, we really respect you and, and would appreciate your honest feedback. And people are, you know, fairly generous with their um, feedback for other people because they know that they're working on themselves. Right. And it does them a disservice if they hold things back.
1: Well, and I think that's that's so true in many ways. And oftentimes we try to be nice to someone, and you know we don't really give them give them what they need, but perhaps we're not as close to them, and we don't feel safe in doing that. We don't want to hurt anyone. But one of the things that was said recently, and I, I certainly believe in this, it's a principle that's gone back through time, and you can even find, things in the bible that talk about this you know focus on your strengths and until we know what those strengths are it's really hard uh for us to to reach our true potential that's
2: right because you know actually personal branding it starts with leadership there are three aspects of it you know three ways to, to build that brand strategy for yourself and the first is to identify what is it that i'm a leader in what makes me different and special Right. And so, indeed, it is a uh, focus on strengths. It's a focus on, you know, what are the areas that make me stand out, well, which is, you know, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, please. Which I was going to say is a little different than how we're oriented. You know, we're oriented to look at um, the the negatives, the weaknesses. I remember that when I first started teaching workshops, I would ask for evaluations, of course,
1: and. <laughs> The dreaded evaluation.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and, and if 85% said excellent and uh, 8% said very good, I focused on the 2% or 3% that said fair or not. Well, I'm, I really never got one, any poor. But I would focus on the ones that were not in the range that I was interested in.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny, I did a speaking engagement with the American Society of Training and Development, and these are other training professionals and speakers. And I had a challenge with my technology, but being the actor that I am, I continued on. You know, they say act as if, right? (laughs) But uh, the point was, just like what you said, I got these evaluations and had so many people say wonderful things, but much like you, I had one person, um, you know, not be so favorable, but without any specific critique. And I think it's important that we do need that feedback, but for people to offer something that's going to be beneficial when they fill that out to help us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, so we've talked a little bit about the difference of branding and why we should brand, but what do you think is the biggest, I guess, when we're looking at corporate branding versus personal branding, what would you say is the biggest differentiator between the two?
2: You know, I really, um, I think that they are so similar. The difference, though, I guess, is that with corporate branding, there's a lot of, you know, usually there's a lot of money that goes into it. There's there's a lot of research that's done. Um, And the branding effort happens over a long period of time. With personal branding, uh, the, the desire for results is much quicker. So we're either out there trying to get a job or we're trying to change careers or we're trying to market our business, and we don't have a whole lot of time, and a lot of times we don't have a lot of resources to invest in that uh, personal branding. So with personal branding, you know, you almost are, are looking at ways to um, create an understanding of who you are in that person's mind, and the same thing with marketing. It's sort of like owning a piece of the real estate in the person's mind.
1: Right, and you are actually the property, if you will. You are that you are that product. And again, I think, like you said, being having a what I like to, I guess, what, how, to sum it up, I like to say that the perception camera is always rolling. So, what is your movie saying when they think about you? What do you want them to see?
2: That's exactly right. And so
1: with any kind of branding, it's something that happens
2: over time with consistent action. And so you look at examples. I always, you know, use examples of movie stars and and um um sports figures because it's it's someone everyone can relate to. You look at Angelina Jolie as an example. When she first hit the scene, you know, she was kind of known as, you know, kind of wild and and just um,
1: unpredictable, unpredictable,
2: <laughs> yeah. right, you know, and so there were things that, you know, you could point to, like the, the tattoos all over her body, the vial of blood she used to wear around her neck oh, yeah. from her ex-husband, you know, and so the on. Personal so uh,
1: PDA, public display of affection. <laughs> exactly, with right. her brother, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, certainly, her personal brand would have, you know, the attributes that, that identified Angelina Jolie would have been perhaps wild, perhaps, you know, um, uncontained. I mean, just all kinds of things of that nature. Now, you start to think about her brand uh, maybe two years ago where she was uh, often featured with children. She started adopting children. She was an ambassador for the United Nations. You know, and so all those kinds of things began to reshape how she was perceived in you know the, the the minds of most Americans and people who saw her across the, the world, and so what she did very well was she identified how do I want to be perceived, and I don't know if she actually did this, but this is in my mind.
1: she wanted to be perceived in
2: a much more um, humanitarian way.
1: Right, exactly. And someone who gives back, I would agree. And I think that she really grew up in front of us and she was trying to learn who she was herself. Yeah. And so, whereas most of us don't have to do that in the public eye. Exactly. So, so we don't exactly. have, yeah, so, so, um, yeah, so that, but that's a great example to really bring that point home. Yeah. Martha, one of the things that, uh, as, you know, as I was doing research and learning more about you, one of the things that you say is that we can learn a lot from the bottle of ketchup about self promotion. So tell me about that. When, <laughs> when I cook something, or very rarely that happens, but inevitably the ketchup bottle comes out, and I'll ask my husband. Do you really need that? You know, how much, how many calories go with that? I don't know. Right, that's right. You know, all the sugar. But he loves ketchup, and I really think that when the day comes that, unfortunately, he's not with me, he will be buried with a bottle of ketchup. (laughs) But what can we learn other than that from self-promotion? Well, if you think
2: about ketchup, all ketchups are the same. They all have tomatoes. They all have some sort of sugar, whether it's high fructose corn syrup or if it's a more... Healthy version, it might just have natural sugars, it has spices, you know, and so it all pretty much has the same ingredient. But one ketchup brand has managed to capture more than 40% of the market, and that's Heinz Ketchup. Hmm. And the reason for that is that it branded itself around its leadership attributes. So it Branded itself around the attributes of being the slowest, richest ketchup, okay, okay, and so if you think about the commercials, you know there were commercials with uh two Heinz bottles battling it out, you know, and um they would draw, and Heinz always lost because it was slow, <laughs> right, or you'd have the kids you know sitting there waiting you know, in anticipation for the ketchup to come out of the bottle, and they're shaking it, and they you know that whole thing, and then there was the Carol King song Anticipation, which was tied to the Heinz Ketchup commercial.
1: Okay, and sure. so the
2: whole idea is that what they did was they then developed in the mind of the consumer the idea that Heinz Ketchup was slow and rich, and if you want ketchup to stay on the French fry, you're going to reach for the Heinz Ketchup. Hmm. And then most recently, they even changed the orientation of the bottle such that you no longer have to wait so the bottle was upside down. The, the, the thing that we learned from Heinz Ketchup is that in your industry, there are going to be lots of ketchup bottles on the shelf, same ingredients, same skills, same experience, same uh, credential. Right. But the question is, what makes you different and special? What is it about you that's different from the image consulting sitting next to you? or from the teacher or the HR strategist or, you know, whoever it is that you are being compared to. And then how do you then start to get visibility for that leadership attribute? What is the strategy that you put in place? Maybe you start writing. You know, maybe you um, join some organizations within your company or within the industry that can promote those leadership attributes and not that you are trumpeting, you know, your your attributes, but you are by experience people are experiencing you and understanding how you are a leader.
1: Right, so basically you're leading by example. That's right. Yeah. And
2: and so over time people start to associate certain attributes, certain experiences with you. And that's the same thing that happened with with Heinz ketchup.
1: Well, that is just an amazing analogy. I never really thought about ketchup up that way. I just thought, uh-huh. I just think about and you'll
2: it. never think of it the same as No, I
1: won't and I can always attribute that to you <laughs> but but, yeah, that's so true. I think we are starving for credibility in our nation, for integrity. And, uh, and leadership that's based on supporting others with, uh, with things that are positive and good. We've seen so much greed and, and hurt our, these last couple of years that uh, these attributes are certainly something that I believe people are looking for folks to prove. It's almost as, you know, used to, you were, you, they would, you could say, hey, we have integrity and character and we're somebody you can trust. But today, there, people are very skeptical. So you have to work extra hard, I believe, to have those uh, um, to have that movie playing in someone's mind today.
2: That's right, and I think you have to if you put something out about yourself, then you have to be able to back it up and It's almost like um I like to think about restaurants that you know say we're the best restaurant in town, so if they're branding themselves as the best restaurant in town, the experience should be that there's always a long line, it's always crowded, it's always difficult to get. A reservation if it's easy to get a reservation if there's never a crowd then the question becomes are they really the best restaurant in town mm. so if you're you're saying that you do something really well you know make sure you back it up with that experience with that skill set with people that provide this that feedback for you
1: all right so when you're looking at your attributes and marketing your personal brand go ahead be bold and and make a statement but make sure that you back it up
2: and sometimes we almost have to live up to the brand. Sometimes we put a stake in the ground and then we work towards delivering on that stake, which is, you know, your brand promise. And going back to the example of Heinz ketchup, you know, is it really the thickest, richest ketchup? I don't know that. I mean, I'm sure, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I can get my husband to test it for us and get back to you on that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, is it really? And, you know, the likelihood is maybe it's not.
1: Right.
2: But as far as 48% of the people are concerned, it is. Yeah. You know, and so that's the key. The key is that, you know, you can identify what is it that I want to grow into. What do I want people to think about when they see my name or they see me or they hear someone speak of me? And that's what you, you grow towards. You know, you create those experiences. You develop the skills. You, you You do everything that you need to do to make sure that over time consistently people experience you in that way.
1: It's interesting that you say that it brings something to mind. I heard somebody say recently, if you want to know what your passion is or or want to know um the legacy you'll leave is think about your eightieth birthday yes. and think about all the people that are there and everyone has to say something about you. What do you want them to say? That's right. Yeah, so that's, that's something to think about, too, as we work on our personal brand. Well, social media is here to stay. I think <laughs> I think years ago, as with anything, I remember when the Internet first started, I remember saying in the early 90s, who in the world is going to go to a website and not call me personally? For my... <laughs> but it's here. So one of the things you talk about um, is the online presence, and how, tell me how that affects our personal branding.
2: Well, you know, it affects it in many different ways now.
1: Um, you know, especially if you have your own business,
2: of course, that's the first thing. If you're not online, then that is a statement about you.
1: You know, I, I, I attribute that to being the door of yesterday, the, the business door, and if you don't have that you're not open for business.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's, you know, I mean a website was what we used to think about, but now you have to be much more interactive. And what I have found to be some of the best interaction is um the the social networking sites like LinkedIn in particular. And um Facebook, to a certain extent, only because it is the most popular. Right. But it's not something that I really use as much for business. Um, if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for uh, contacts in a certain industry, you know, the the LinkedIn social media network is really excellent. And I have just recently learned how to use it. Oh. Yes. And I, um, I could be a poster child for it because I love I love LinkedIn because it it provides you an opportunity to um, just meet people that you you've never even you people that you don't know.
1: Oh, I can't you know I can't concur with you more. I have been on LinkedIn probably about a year. And, in fact, you need to send me a request to, okay, uh, for us to I connect, for us to link in together. Uh, I would love that. Uh, but, yeah, it has been amazing. I had the opportunity to be s- published in Spain this year. Wow. Through a connection on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, we've got folks over there learning etiquette skills for men in a whiskey magazine. Okay. <laughs> Who knew? Um But the reality of LinkedIn is just that. You're able to connect with people. I even had someone connect me to someone else I needed to meet through a LinkedIn contact they had, which I think will be a great uh, partnership going forward. So you're exactly right. LinkedIn is a must-have for business professionals. Oh,
2: it's great. I I did two webinars for Georgetown University through LinkedIn. I um, am now featured on a couple of different blogs through LinkedIn. Um, I mean, it, I could go on. There's about 30 different comments. I, I, I put a question on one of the group pages. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things, you know, if, if I leave no other tip for your audience today. It is to register, create your profile, and then find a, affinity groups in the LinkedIn group section and ask a question. Uh, whatever the question is that, you know, you need to answer for yourself. So when I first wrote my book, Branding Yourself After Age 50, the question that I posted was, um, I've just written a book and I'm looking for venues to speak or to uh, for book signing. Ah. Do you have any ideas other than AARP? Because I knew everyone would say AARP. Right. And I received about 35 different responses. Really? Yes. And out of that came all kinds of, you know, uh, went to, to Michigan for a book signing and, and worked with a group of displaced workers, and then the Georgetown uh, situation. And I actually met someone that walked up to me. I, I did a uh, workshop at the National AARP Conference this past uh, October, and he says, Marva, we met on LinkedIn. I'm such and such and such. And I was just like, oh, this is great. And so it really does create a community around your interest, the area that you're branding yourself in.
1: Yeah, that is a great tip, Marva. In fact, my book, Professionally Polished, has been out since December, and I really haven't set up my book signings yet, so that would be something that I could do um, as well. So when you put that out there, you just said, "This is does anybody have any ideas? The people who responded to you, were they actually people who had the venues or just people who know someone? Was it a personal introduction, or did you have to just take it a a step further? It was a mixture.
2: Okay. So as an example, um, because I I, um, received my leadership coaching certificate from Georgetown University, the person who was – She was sort of the head of their alumni association, saw that and uh, contacted me because they were looking for someone to speak on the topic for baby boomers.
1: Okay. And
2: then um, others, though, were just sort of, um, you know, you should contact my friend here. You should contact this person. And then there were a couple of people who had very large organizations within the baby boomer arena, that um, saw me on LinkedIn and, and asked that I would um, either write articles for their blog, or post my book on their blog, or uh, do an affiliate link to my uh, webinars on their blog. And so it's very, very helpful.
1: Well, wow. and it all it all started with a question.
2: All with a question, and all answered by people I do not know. Yes, and that's
1: the real key. Right, and so you're expanding your network just with taking a little bit of time to. To put that energy out there, so That's right. and just be being open to opportunity too. I think and follow up will always be the key. Yes, follow up will always be the key. Well, we we have just a little bit more time, and I want to ask you one final question, and then we actually have a question from our listener mail bag. So, okay. the final question I have for you, Marva, is one of the things that you mention always is finding new ideas for the new year, and of course, this is the the last week in January when our show will. Uh, show will air. So, one of the things that you had mentioned is that you have written a play, a three act play for college students. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what that's about, and how we might be able to help you in that goal?
2: Well, thank you for that. And so, first, I'm going to just caution your listening audience oh. about the title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, the title of the play is <laughs> Who You Calling a Ho? Oh. Okay. A Ho, okay. Wow. <laughs> What the play is about is it's a I call it a discussion document almost because the people in the audience actually be- become the um, the actors. So I don't bring any actors to the venue, and it just it helps people to start thinking differently about the informal uses of words like h and b and n. And I don't need to expound on that No, sure no. You know so what
1: that is. Absolutely,
2: yeah. And the title actually is, you know, back in my day, if someone called you an H, it was, you know, put up your dukes and let's go to blows, you know, sort of like who you calling the H. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now it's a term of endearment. Mm. And the question becomes what permission are you giving other people when you allow them to call you those things as a term of endearment? Now, you'll note that I am putting this on on college campuses, and the issue there is that it is something that's happening on college campuses, and I actually uh, piloted the program at my alma mater, which is Michigan State University. And we had an interesting audience of uh, kids from across the globe, not just urban environments, but we had a couple of kids from Australia, uh, England, you know, and then we had, um, you know, California, New York, Michigan, et cetera. And without fail, at the beginning of the first act, the kids were like, oh, it really doesn't mean anything. It's just the way mm-hmm. we speak, you know, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Just how we are. You're so old school, that kind of exactly. thing, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: and by the end of the third uh, act, they were saying, you should take this to junior high schools because they're doing the same thing. Wow. You know, I never thought about it that way. Uh, wow. This is something I need to change. So the real key is just for people to start experiencing themselves differently. And, you know, now that, you know, in prime time you can go and you can listen to, as an example, the view, and you'll hear uh, oh. the B word or, the you know, and uh, music. You, you hear it all the time. And so it's to just start questioning whether or not this is appropriate for me.
1: Well, and I think the the key is that we teach people how to treat us, and if we're not treating ourselves with respect, how can we expect expect anyone else to that's right so well that's well I wish you great luck with that and if any of our listeners know of a college or university that would like to get in touch with Marva about that make sure you do that well finally we have a question from Kathy from Chicago okay Kathy yes and Kathy I think she's experiencing things as most of us have but she's been laid off this year and so she says um, how can I how can personal branding help me get a new job or start a new career
2: Okay, so the first thing is that we need to... So you always want to narrow the niche. What is it that you are looking for? What you know? What do you do well? Um, what is it that you enjoy doing? And then you also look at your experience. And so once you determine what it is that you do well, what's the leadership role that you are in, then you want to create a visibility strategy. A lot of people are just, you know, doing the same kinds of things over and over which are traditional job search activity. You know, um go to a job board or a job bank or a networking event and find some leads and try to get a interview and things of that nature. But the question becomes what are you doing in the meantime? And I always tell people that you should look to establish your experience while you're being laid
1: off by
2: volunteering
1: Oh that's yeah that's great and yes. and to stay in the marketplace sure that's right
2: stay in the marketplace volunteer your time but what happens in the meantime is that you are being experienced by other people so other people are starting to know who you are what you do well and so you just want to consistently create those opportunities to volunteer the other thing you want to think about is if you are a good writer you want to write you want to write in blogs you want to write for newsletters uh, you want to put the, post those things on LinkedIn. You want to post them on article submissions um, that are just online. They're submitted to all kinds of different cause Everyone's always looking for um, content. Content, that's you're, right. You're right. So,
1: yeah. well that,
2: so those are just a couple of things
1: to think about. Well, and, you know, we have a 30-minute show, unfortunately. I think We're going to go an hour pretty soon, I believe. We're going to have so many people that uh, want to sponsor our show. We'll be able to go to an hour. That's great. <laughs> but... Um, you know something, Marva, that I'm excited about that all our guests do, and you've been so gracious to do as well. And I think this will help Kathy and many of our other listeners. But um, tell us about the special bonus that you're offering for our listeners.
2: Uh, the bonus that I'm offering is 30 minutes of brand coaching.
1: Oh, okay. And
2: so it is for the first 10 people that uh, will send me an email that has um, the uh, your. Purpose Without Limits? Purpose Without Limits in the uh, subject line.
1: Okay. Well, So so give us the email where we can send that to.
2: Marva, M-A-R-V-A, Marva at MarvaGoldsmith.com.
1: Okay, Marva at MarvaGoldsmith.com. Yes. And um, and any other services that you provide, they can contact you there as well?
2: Yes. And if I could, may I also just plug my upcoming webinar?
1: Absolutely. Which
2: is on February the 9th. Okay, and it is you can find information on my website branding fifty branding five zero dot com. Okay, and I will tell you, you don't have to be fifty years old to attend the web.
1: Okay, good because I think a lot of us are in transition, but we may not be fifty yet. Yeah. So. It's-
2: the 50 was just because it was my 50th birthday and everything was about turning 50. Oh, well,
1: <laughs> well congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Well, Marva, I cannot tell you how much I'm, I'm just thrilled to have you as our guest. I hope you'll come back and uh, be with us again.
2: Well, I enjoyed speaking with you, and I hope that this was
1: helpful for your audience. I'm sure it is. Thanks again, and have a great day. Well, everybody, it's that time again. Time to say goodbye, but we will kick off next month with a fantastic show you don't want to miss. We're going to talk about how to eliminate fear, doubt, and worry and transform your life in seven hours. So you don't want to miss that. What a great way to kick off February, put those goals into place, think about all the things we've talked about in January and get ready to transform your life. So until next week, be sure to tell all your friends, foes, and (laughs) family about about the show and help us spread the word. We want to make sure that we're here to help empower you to be your best self. Have a great week.
0: You've been listening to Purpose Without Limits with your host, Dallas Teague Snyder. Dallas is founder of Make Your Best Impression, author of the book, Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, and co-author of Executive Etiquette Power. Visit MakeYourBestImpression.com for more information. Oh, oh,